Our second reading this morning is from Matthew, Matthew chapter 6 and verses 19 to 34. Matthew chapter 6 and starting at verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is within you, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Morning, everyone. Morning. Let's pray. pray. <clears throat> Gracious Father, we, as we come to your word, <clears throat> we pray that you would help us, lead us, teach us, be with us, strengthen us, renew us, challenge us, reassure us. Give her a vision. Let us have a vision of your holiness, your love, and your majesty in Christ. <clears throat> and keep me from error, we pray. Amen. Just take a sip of that. We're in the um, first, we're still in the first of the five long speeches in Matthew, so we're still doing Sermon on the Mount. This has been a long pause. Remember I said 
speeches give us a chance to pause. The Sermon on the Mount, in one sense, is a very long pause. And it's a, a very well-known and rich pause, a great set of words which people from all over the place acknowledge. Jesus is speaking in particular, as we said, to his disciples who are the new Israel uh, gathered around him, but also there are people in the background listening. And by the end in chapter 7, 28, we see they are astonished. This is light that is dawning in darkness. And he has particularly the teaching of the elders, the teachers of the law, and the Pharisees in mind and as a great contrast. Remember, he seemed to up the game. This is what the kingdom of heaven requires and firmly in his sight is the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. Their perspective is particularly one which he examines because they are the ones who people have turned to and they have been led astray. And so his perspective for the whole life we saw on giving, on prayer and fasting, which we didn't know what to say too much about, uh, particularly when you look at my size, is he's going on to give a simple three points. The first one is treasure in heaven in verses 19 to 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in in steel. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's a very well-known sentence, that one. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I had a, a birthday cake once. Have I told this story before? I think I have. My, my late wife made me a birthday cake. It was a banana cake. Does anyone like banana cake? I love banana cake. But you know what goes really well with banana cake? A wonderful icing. You must have an icing. And I think this one was a passion fruit icing on a banana cake. Have you ever had passion fruit icing on banana cake? You haven't lived. <laughs> you haven't lived. And there it was. It was made for my birthday and it was put in. It was being in the cupboard, I think, in the pantry, waiting for me to come home. It's all covered. It's all nice. And I'm coming home to my birthday Passion fruit, it's, it's got passion fruit icing, I know it's a bit weird, but that was my choice. I wanted passion fruit icing on it, so it had it. When I get home and I opened it, what do I find? Well, that's, if I'd have been home earlier, there might have been nothing, Angela. That's true. Unfortunately, I found that ants had found their way to my cake and were now swarming all over my cake. I lived on the third floor of units. You know, there was garages and then two stories. I lived up there, but they'd found their way all the way up. You know how ants find their way up. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin, ants, destroy. 
Jesus is talking about priorities and his call is for total undivided allegiance to our heavenly father. Remember, this is the kingdom values which are plainly being set against those that are being taught. And we cannot hear, help but hear when Jesus speaks. The wonderful thing about a speech is we will hear them as if it's spoken to us. When we do that, we will fall short. I think Cameron had a wonderful phrase uh, before when he said, we fall far short. And so this is the kingdom values, which in the end, no one will measure up to. So if you don't find yourself measuring up to it, don't be surprised. You're like the rest of humanity. In the end, the message will be the kingdom values must be met in a kingdom person. That person is Jesus, not you, not me. I will be far short and you are far short. So if you feel this bad about not having this stuff, remember, Jesus has them and for you he came and gave his life. Let's hear. Jesus' call is for total undivided allegiance, living righteously. These people, the people who have the heavenly Father at the centre of their lives, direct their whole will, their whole life, to laying up treasure in heaven. People are not to set their treasures on earth. They're not to worry about having cakes in the pantry because why? Everything in this world is temporary. Jesus, uh, Joshua, not Jesus, which is closely related to the name here. Joshua was playing a song on the way up to church, I think, today, a Colin Buchanan song, and the, and the song was talking about exactly this, things rusting, things perishing, they, all the toys that we had, they all break and they're rubbish, and where do they all go? They all go to the trash and get burnt or crushed or whatever. I thought it was very interesting. He was playing that song today. He must have known what was on. People are not to set their treasures on earth. Such treasures are temporary. They are transitory. They're here today and gone tomorrow. <clears throat> the world is full of people about to clean out the houses of their parents. They've passed away, and now their children are dealing with the things which were treasures, some of them. And not many of those treasures find another home. Not many of them will survive very long. It shows, Jesus says, where your heart is, that wonderful phrase. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. This, this is the uh, advice which helps us go through the next two uh, issues. The eye in verses 22 to 24. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, this is completely the opposite of the way we think of the eye, by the way. Uh, have you ever heard of the saying, 
The eye is the window to soul. This is not that. So if you've, you know that one, now pick it up and ditch it because that's not what Jesus means. He doesn't mean that because in, the, in ancient times, the eye was thought to have its own light, that it is a lamp. Notice that first sentence, the eye is the lamp of the body. It's shining out. And what Jesus is saying is it's shining out because of the light that is within. If it is dark within, if you are darkness, then out of you will shine darkness. Like a lamp, it was the source, this eye, of its own light. Within you, your own internal integrity, purity, will come out of you. That will be your light. When your heart is right, we might say, in a sort of catchy little modern phrase, not really meant to be taken literally, your eyes shine. So the parable refers to the eye as a positive source of values. If your eyes are healthy, he said, your whole body will be full of light. Jesus assumes we are born with, we might say, spiritual cataracts. Now, cataracts, I remember uh, for many years, I thought that was something that sailed on the water and uh, you could get on a cataract and have a good time. That's wrong, and I now know that's not the case. But if you, if you know a good cataract, tell me. Our world is not the Lord's. It is stared, it is blurred. Sorry, it, when you have spiritual cataracts, your view of the world is not the way the Lord sees the world. You will see it in a blurred, distorted way. And you organize these blurred, distorted visions into a false view of reality. That's what our world is made up of. People have their own distorted vision blur of the world and they organize that into a false reality. Jesus calls the people of the kingdom of heaven to be set free, to have our vision transformed for the distortion cataracts to be removed, setting our eyes free to clearly see. And that comes from inside. The inner light does not occur naturally, but is from the gift of the Spirit of God, who gives people a new way of seeing, of being. A new spirit transforming us. If we see things as they truly are, it shows that we are people of light. If we don't see clearly, Jesus is saying, then we are full of darkness. The crucial factor is not your eye, but actually of the light, so-called, within. I uh, had a bad experience, a sad experience, not bad experience, a sad experience not too long ago when it occurred to me a friend uh, was talking about some other person we knew and they were saying how what their lives were about 
it was quite obvious. And he wasn't, he was critiquing that person who I knew to be a Christian. And the, his critique was that they were all about money. That it was obvious to him that whatever they did or what they were all about money. That puzzled me. But I remembered it also saddened me because I remembered that someone else had told me exactly the same thing about that person. And I want it ref, made me reflect on myself. I thought that was very sad. And I thought, well, what do people say about me? As a Christian, I don't know that I would like for people to say he was about money. If you want to buy me a jacuzzi, you can. I'll give you my bank account. But I only, I only mention it because I love the word jacuzzi. It's a funny word. It troubled me. Here was someone who was looking at a person's life, someone who I knew ran by kingdom values, let's say. And yet what they saw was a life in pursuit of money. That troubled me. Verse, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I think I might have also said it troubled me when one Christian leader published a book a long time ago now, in the 90s, I think, and it was entitled, You Need More Money. And I thought all I could think of was this. What? How does You Need More Money as a book and as the basic thesis of the book, why, how does that tie into Verse 24, you cannot serve both God and money. Back to Jesus, he's saying to be in the kingdom of heaven, all who are there need to have the right attitude, storing not things around us or over there or in our store, in our barns. You might remember that old parable that Jesus told, but in heaven. He's also saying it's not about worldly nationalism and, and what you think Israel is, he's saying to them. Worldly nationalism and the covenant are incompatible because it's not about here but there with God and in God. You hear all the time, don't you, unfortunately, if you watch certain countries like America, like Russia, if you listen, the two are brought together, America and the kingdom of God. If you listen, you'll hear people from Russia say, Russia and God's orthodox, in this case, kingdom. The two will be brought together. Jesus is critiquing the, his own worldview of that, the Israel around him. 
saying it's not about here, it's about there. Materialism and mammon, as we might say, cannot be served when serving the Lord. And thirdly, he says worry. As a result of this new light from within, this new allegiance and devotion to the Lord, we need to realise, as people of the kingdom of heaven, he's saying that the Lord will provide our, all our needs. Verse 25. I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air that are not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin, yet I tell you, and not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Uh, there was a time when I used to walk around assembly, you know, the Presbyterian assembly. Have you heard of it? You've been there? Anyone been there? I hope not, for your sake. Have you been there? It's a lovely place. Uh, where Presbyterians gather and you looked around and you could say, yes, certainly Presbyterians certainly don't worry too much about their clothes or what they wear. There's some shocking looking outfits going around. We were the daggiest denomination in the, in the universe, I'm sure of it. And I was part of that. So we were very biblical there. But Jesus is saying to seek God's righteousness is first and foremost in our lives, not to worry about this or that or the other, rather that the Lord will provide. He's speaking to Israel. They know this. They're meant to know this, that God looks after the birds in the fields and has clothed them and has fed them, and not to worry that God will not look after them. But remember, we also said there are Gentiles, and they cop a bit of a serving here from Jesus because they haven't known this. And they do run after in anxiety and stress and in the whole problem of life. They don't have that assurance. Jesus tells them that the Lord knows that you need these things, that the Lord will take care of them. The first requirement is to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. He's heavily critiquing, as we said, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, their interpretation of what the covenant means and how to keep it. And he's saying to them, 
God calls righteousness this. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you as well. The difference with Israel's response is contrasted with the one that Jesus lays out here. What is the alternative to the kingdom-orientated life? As I said, it's a life anxiously, it's anxiously orientated to the present, to what we have, what we don't have, what we will eat, a profound anxiety about our own survival. You cannot speak from this passage without acknowledging what people go through, what is happening for people. Our society at the moment is having a cost of living crisis. People are living on the streets homeless. Housing is in short supply. If you're a renter, you know that you are struggling. I don't need to tell you that. Jesus' words can hurt here. It's not meant to. But I must make sure that you understand that it's not there to antagonise you. If you are struggling in your health, it is not to critique your faith, but rather to hear Jesus' words, he says, each day has enough trouble of its own. He knows that trouble. To be in the kingdom in this world is to still live in the midst of that trouble, whether it be your health, whether it be your finances, whether it be your anxiety, whether it be the tension you feel within your family, whether it be the fact that you're struggling to pay the bill on your next car payment. Jesus is not making light of that and I'm not critiquing you to think don't worry about those things because as Jesus said, each day has enough worry of its trouble of its own. What Jesus is doing here is helping us to live as kingdom people in the midst of this trouble. My friend who was seen to be living, or a person I know, who seemed to be living as though he's living for money, unfortunately that witness is distracting from what he actually aims his life at. And so we're to hear that and know that Jesus wants us to direct our attention to the treasures in heaven to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, that these days will bring their own trouble, and they do. How do we live in the midst of that trouble? We live in the knowledge that our Saviour loves us, that wherever what happens to us, wherever we will be, he will be there with us. He will never lose us or forsake us. When I was younger, I, uh, it, was, it was fun to be a young preacher because you didn't have any problems. You could just, everything was quite simple. And, uh, and all the older people would look at you and think, well, you don't know what the heck you're talking about. 
But you didn't know that because you were young and uh, and so you had simple black and white answers for everyone. Unfortunately, as I've got older, apart from getting uglier, I've also realised things are way more complicated. In reality, we do face grave challenges. Each of you, I know, and some I don't know, face grave challenges, great challenges, facing problems, stress and anxiety. Christ's love compels us that we know that as we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, that won't be good enough, but Jesus was. Jesus sought and lived for us and died for us that we might be released from the problem of our inadequacies, from our sin, that whatever we are facing, we face in the knowledge that Christ is always ours and he has done that for us and permanently enfolded us into his love. That as we go through troubles here, and yearn for the treasure of heaven and that kingdom where all pain will be removed, where there'll be no more crying, pain or death. Christ will anchor us, anchor our souls and fill us with light as we live for him. Let's pray. Uh, Gracious Father, we realise that... uh, We thank you that Christ came. We praise you that he lived for us. We worship you that he died in our place and released us from our our sin and death, from the punishment for that, took that punishment on himself that we might live in your kingdom free, free from our sin and released and filled with your spirit, that you might transform us and fill us with light. We pray we would be people of your kingdom. Help us to live, we ask, in that way of viewing the world. May we lay treasures in heaven and seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Seek our Lord Jesus. Proclaim his name in all that we do and say, and keep us, we pray, in troubles. Lord, there are many troubles in our lives, and we know that you know them. Father, we rest in your unending care and love, and in your goodness we trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to...